Well, welcome to Community Christian Anywhere. We're an online community of people who believe that even though life can be difficult and complicated and tiring, Jesus offers us a life that's easy, light, and full of rest. And the life that Jesus offers, it isn't simply membership to a religion or a personal philosophy of life, but he offers to transform us into people who live and love just as he did in this world. And so, we want to be a community who's committed to loving everyone just as Jesus has loved us. And so, no matter who you are, what you believe about God or what you've done, we want you to be part of this Jesus movement to love everyone always. And we hope that throughout our time together, you'll experience that God loves you and cares about your life. In fact, one of the things we say all the time is, no matter what you think about God, we believe he can't stop thinking about you. We believe that he is for you and he only has good things for your life. And so no matter where you're watching this from, on your phone, on your lunch break, hopefully not while you're driving, we believe that God is present with you right now. And if you'll stay open to that, I believe he wants to make himself real to you. And if at any point during this video, you have a question or maybe you just feel like God's speaking to you and you wanna to speak to somebody about that, there's a number on the screen the whole time. You can text that number at any point and someone from our team will respond as soon as we can. Because even though right now, this is just a video you're watching, we hope your interaction with us moves you from being just content that you consume to a community that you're committed to. And one of the easy ways to get involved with our community is by going to our website, cccanywhere.com. There are a lot of resources there, including some material specifically designed for your children. And the best way for you to get involved with our community is by clicking on the card on the website that says, join our Facebook group. You'll be taken straight to Community Christian Anywhere group on Facebook where we can connect with each other during this week. All you have to do when you click on that is click the join group button and you'll take one quick and easy step into community this week. And right now, we're gonna move into our main idea for today. We're continuing this week to hear from voices around the country about some of the most important questions of life and faith. Today, we're addressing the question, does God still do miracles? Is God actively involved in our world? Does God still heal today? I think if most of us are honest, we're a little skeptical about any easy answer around those questions. And so we're very thankful to get to hear from an expert on this issue. Lee Strobel is a former legal editor and award-winning investigative journalist from the Chicago Tribune. Although for much of his life, Strobel was an atheist and a skeptic about Christian faith, after using his investigative journalism skills to examine the historical evidence for Jesus, he became convinced of the authenticity of the New Testament accounts of the life of Jesus, and he gave his life to Jesus. All of this has been written about in Strobel's best-selling book, The Case for Christ, which recently became a feature film and it's available on Netflix. So put that on your watch list. Hey everybody, it's Nathan with the corrections department here at Community Christian Anywhere. Okay, so The Case for Christ is no longer available on Netflix. So if you're wanting to watch it, you're not gonna see it there. But if you go to our Facebook group, the Community Christian Anywhere group, which you can find by going to our website, cccanywhere.com, well, then you'll see that we're having an event this Tuesday night uh, to watch the movie together. It's a virtual movie night where we're going to watch The Case for Christ uh, as a church. And uh, it's a really enjoyable film. You'll learn a lot about the historical claims of the New Testament and the resurrection of Jesus. 
and you'll get to meet some people from our church. So make sure you go to cccanywhere.com, join our Facebook group. Make sure you click that you're going to the Case for Christ virtual movie night event, and we'll get you the information of how to join in with that. Okay, back to our regularly scheduled programming. Most recently, Strobel began to investigate the phenomenon of modern day miracles to answer this question. Do miracles exist? After an examining numerous accounts of miracles and interviewing witnesses around the world, Strobel documented his findings in the book, The Case for Miracles. And today, we're gonna to hear part of a sermon Strobel gave in 2019, explaining the conclusions he came to from his research. I'm so excited for you to see this, so let's get to it. And I'm gonna start in a little unusual way. I'm gonna tell you two true stories. And after each story, I'm going to ask you to ask yourself a question. Is this story an example of just an extraordinary coincidence? Or could it be a miracle of God? First story took place several years ago. Again, true story. uh, In an African village right near the equator. It was far from pharmacies, far from hospitals. And a woman was giving birth. And she died during childbirth. And she left behind a little two-year-old daughter, and this prematurely born little boy. Now, there were no incubators, no electricity, uh, few supplies, and they knew the only way they were going to keep this this fragile, premature boy alive during the cold nights, even there on the equator, it gets very cold at night. The only way they could keep him alive would be through a hot water bottle that would keep him warm in the middle of the cold night. And so a helper began to fill up a hot water bottle, but it burst. And it was the last hot water bottle in the village, and the baby would not survive the night without it. Well, it was a missionary doctor there from Ireland. Her name is Dr. Helen Rosevere. And she gathered together all the orphans and said, let's pray for this, uh, this little baby. But one 10-year-old orphan by the name of Ruth seemed to go too far. Ruth said, please, God, send us a water bottle. It'll be no good tomorrow, God, because the baby's going to be dead. So please, send it this afternoon. And if that weren't audacious enough, she added this. She said, and while you're at it, God, would you please send a dolly for the little girl so that she'll know that you really love her? The doctor said later, I was put in the spot. Could I honestly say amen? I just did not believe that God could do this. Oh, I know God can do everything the Bible says so, but come on. There are limits, aren't there? I mean, the only hope of getting hot water, uh, a water bottle would be in a parcel sent from home. But in the four years that she had been a missionary doctor there, not one parcel had ever arrived from home. Besides, if somebody's going to send a parcel to the equator, who would think to include a water bottle? Well, a couple hours later, a jeep pulled up and dropped off a 22-pound package. And the orphans pounced on it, and they sorted through the contents. There was some clothing for them. There were some bandages for the leprosy patients. There was a little food, but what was this? The missionary said, I put my hand in, and I felt, what could it be? I grasped it and pulled it out. Yes, a brand-new rubber hot water bottle. And she burst into tears. She said later, I had not asked God to send it. I had not truly believed that he could. And with that, little Ruth rushed forward and said, well, if God sent the bottle, he must have sent the dolly too. And so she dug through the package, and sure enough, 
At the bottom, she found a, a beautifully wrapped little doll. And she said, can I go over with you, mummy, and give this dolly to the little girl so that she'll know that Jesus really loves her? Friends, that parcel was packed five months earlier by the missionary's former Sunday school class in Northern Ireland. The leader of the class felt led by God to include a hot water bottle, and a little girl contributed the doll. And this package, the only one ever to arrive, happened to be delivered on the very same day that little Ruth had prayed for it with the faith of a child. So here's my question. Is that just an extraordinary coincidence? Or could it be a miracle of God? Second true story, a brilliant African-American student from the inner city of Detroit, Michigan, gets a full scholarship to Yale University to study medicine. But he was having trouble. At the end of the first semester, he was failing his chemistry class. And he had to do well in his chemistry class in order to continue on his path to becoming a physician. And so the final exam had arrived. Everything depended on the final exam. He had to do well in order to do, uh, you know, succeed in chemistry and go on on his road to become a doctor. And he, he was a Christian. And he prayed for God's help. He said, Lord, medicine is the only thing I ever really wanted to do. Would you please tell me what it is that you really want me to do? Well, he planned to study all night to just cram to try to pass the exam, but sleep overtook him, and he fell asleep, and all seemed lost until he had a dream. And in that dream, there was a, uh, he was in the classroom, which is like an auditorium, and there was a nebulous figure at the blackboard, writing chemistry problems and their solutions on the blackboard. And the next day, when he went to take the test, he was stunned because the first question on the test was one that the, the nebulous figure had written about in his dream, and the second one, and the third one, and the fourth one, and on and on. And he ended up acing his exam, and he said, God, you'll never have to do that for me again. And he became an extraordinary physician. By the age of 33, he was the youngest director of pediatric surgery in the country, doing uh, pioneering brain surgery on infants at Johns Hopkins Hospital. You may have heard his name. It's Ben Carson. Later ran for president. So what do you think? Is that just a coincidence, or could it have been a miracle of God? You may know that I was an atheist for much of my life. But it was the historical evidence for a miracle, that is, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that convinced me that he is the unique Son of God. And it brought me to faith in Christ. But guess what? My skeptical nature didn't disappear. It kind of did in my DNA. Did I believe that God did miracles? Yeah, I believe that. I, I look at the Gospels, I see credible reports of miracles that Jesus performed. And by the way, his opponents didn't dispute the fact he did miracles. They just got mad at him for doing it on the Sabbath. So, you know, I was okay with the miracles of the Bible. But the question I had as a skeptic was this. Is God still in the miracle business today? Is God still supernaturally intervening in people's lives in the 21st century? And so I decided to take my journalism training and my legal training and to spend two years systematically investigating the realm of the supernatural. It was a project that took me all across the country. Uh, I ended up interviewing people on all sides of the spectrum, including the number one skeptic in America, Dr. Michael Shermer, the founder and editor of Skeptic Magazine. 
And the end was my new book called The Case for Miracles. Because what I found absolutely blew me away. Here are my conclusions. First, God is still in the miracle business. Second, miracles occur a lot more frequently than people think. And third, many miracles are far better documented than many skeptics suppose. In fact, in the next few minutes, you're going to hear from a woman whose miracle was the most spectacular one that I investigated during my two-year study of miracles. And on top of that, I'm going to promise you something right now. Before the end of this talk, you are going to witness a supernatural healing. Seriously. You will put forever, the rest of your life, you're going to be able to say, I witnessed a supernatural healing. Do they have seatbelts here on these seats? <laughs> Seriously, you're going to need to fasten your seatbelt because I'm telling you, it's going to blow you away. So let's take a moment here to pause and reflect on all that we've heard so far. Maybe you've been watching today and this has been interesting information, but you're not really sure you can believe all of this yet. Well, first, I'm so glad you chose to join in with us, and I hope one thing you take away from our time today is that we're a community who welcomes questions. We believe the church should be the one place where everyone feels welcome, everyone feels safe to question, to doubt, to be skeptical. Because all truth's God's truth, and so if something's really true, we believe it'll always lead us back to the God who loves us. And maybe you're not so sure you can trust that. So. I want to invite you in. Uh, the following moments of quiet reflection, uh, we're going to have where we'll, as best we can, be open to why that is that you can't trust it yet. Be honest with yourself about any doubts or any questions that you have. Maybe any past hurts or any experiences or even relationships that might keep you from building trust with a church community. Maybe you should take this time and be open about any preconceived ideas you might have that have led you to doubt that God does miracles in our world. Maybe you could use this time to offer a prayer to God and just be honest saying, hey God, I'm not so sure you're real, but if you are, hey, please make yourself real to me. I believe he really wants to do that. And if at any point during this time, you have a question, then just go, that just won't go away. Maybe there's an area in your life where you want to see God do a miracle. Would you text me through the number you see on the screen right now? I'd love to talk to you about that. And if you're here today and you'd call yourself a believer, and maybe you're not so sure how any of this applies to you, I'd love for you to take these moments of silence to open yourself up to what God might be trying to say to you today. Maybe through this time today, God just wants to remind you how powerful he is and how much he longs to be involved in your life. Maybe through this time, God would bring someone to your mind who needs to hear this message today and you wanna share it with them. Maybe there's some part of your life that you long for God to do a miracle in, and you could just talk to God about that. Or maybe there'll be just a moment of quiet for you to rest and remember how much God loves you. And if you feel God speaking to you through this time, would you reach out to me by texting the number on the screen? I'd love to talk to you about that. But as you move into this minute of quiet reflection, I want to pray that God will open our hearts and minds to whatever he has to say to us today. To do that, I'm gonna put some words of Jesus on the screen and they'll stay up for it there for the entire minutes of silence to just help you focus on God's desire. Let's read them now. 
anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So let's listen for what God might have to say to us today. You know, no matter whether you felt God speaking or not during this time, I hope what you took away from that moment is that God is for you and he wants you to know him as deeply as he knows you. Because no matter what you think about God, we believe he cannot stop thinking about you. Let's keep that in mind as we move forward into the rest of our interview for today. So let's get started by looking at the four big questions about miracles. The first one is this. How should we define a miracle? What is a miracle? How do we define them? You know, people throw around the word miracle all the time. You know, they're driving in downtown Austin. I found a parking place. It's a miracle. You know. <laughs> well, no, wait. That may be a miracle. That may, <laughs> that's a bad example. But we throw around the term all the time. Um, but often, what we think is a miracle or what we attribute to it being a miracle, is, there's, a, there's a natural cause behind it. God set up the natural world, and most commonly, he works through the processes that he himself created. So how do you define a miracle? I think the best definition comes from the late philosopher Richard Pertill. It goes like this. A miracle is an event brought about by the power of God that is a temporary exception to the ordinary course of nature for the purpose of showing that God has acted in history. I think that's a pretty good definition. So for me, when I see something absolutely extraordinary that has spiritual overtones, that is not explainable by any natural means, and is validated by independent sources or witnesses, well, that's when the miracle bell tends to go off for me. In other words, a dream about a nebulous figure writing chemistry problems and the solutions on a blackboard by itself does not seem miraculous. But if those equations are the very same problems that present themselves the next day on an independently prepared examination, well, that does seem miraculous, especially when the incident occurs after someone pleads to God for help. Question number two, well, wait a minute. Aren't miracles impossible because they violate the laws of nature? The famous uh, Scottish skeptic and philosopher David Hume thought so. Back in the 1700s, he thought, you know, miracles can't happen because they violate the laws of nature. But that's just a misunderstanding of what the laws of nature are. Let me explain it. If I had an apple in my hand and were to drop it, 
The law of gravity tells us it would hit the floor. But if I had an apple in my hand and I dropped it and you reached in and grabbed it before it hit the floor, you're not overturning the law of gravity. You're not violating the law of gravity. You're merely intervening. And that's what God does when he intervenes in the uh, natural world that he himself created. And we can be confident that it indeed was God who created the universe, who created the laws of nature. Why? Well, as my friend, the philosopher Dr. William Lane Craig teaches, everything that begins to exist has a cause. We now know that the universe began to exist. Therefore, the universe must have a cause behind it. And what kind of a cause can bring a universe into existence? Well, he must be transcendent because he exists apart from creation. He must be powerful given the immensity of the creation event. He must be smart given the incredible precision of the creation event. He must be immaterial or spirit because he existed before the physical world. He must be timeless or eternal because he existed before physical time came into being. He must be personal because he had to make the decision to create. He must be creative, because, you know, just look at the universe. Um, he must be caring, because he crafted a habitat where we can live and thrive. And the principle of Occam's razor tells us there would be just one creator. So what do we got? Transcendent, powerful, smart, spirit, eternal, personal, creative, caring, unique. That's a pretty good starting point. For a description of the God of the Bible. In fact, for my book, I interviewed a famous um, physicist with a PhD from UCLA, who's a professor of physics at a major American university, who uh, crashes atoms together in the big collider in Switzerland, who has hundreds of peer-reviewed scientific articles that have been published in scientific journals. And I interviewed him about the scientific evidence that points toward a supernatural creator. And so based on that kind of evidence, I'm convinced that Genesis 1 verse 1 is accurate when it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then if he created everything, of course he can intervene in his creation. The pastor and author Timothy Keller put it this way, If a God exists who is big enough to create the universe in all its complexity and vastness, why should a mere miracle be such a mental stretch? In other words, if God can cause a universe to come into existence, then walking on water or a virgin birth is just child's play. Question number three, well then, how common are miracles today? How often do they occur? Well, as part of this project, I hired a highly respected public opinion polling firm to do a scientific poll of American adults asking this question. Have you ever had in your life an incident that you can only explain as a miracle of God? And nearly two out of five American adults said, yeah, they've had at least one experience like that. In fact, let me ask you, how many of you would say, At least once in your life, you've had an experience only can be explained as a miracle of God. Raise your hand. I mean, yeah, a lot more than two out of five. Um, So think about this. If 38% 
of American adults say, I've had at least one miracle, if you extrapolate that number, that would mean we've had at least 94,790,000 miracles take place just in America. Now, let's pick a number. Let's say, wait a minute, most of those people are wrong. Most of them think it was a miracle, but maybe it was just a fantastic coincidence. So let's take, say, 99% of them are mistaken. They aren't real miracles. Let's eliminate 99%. You know what? We'd still have a million miracles left having taken place just here in the United States. That's a lot more than I anticipated. So I think, friends, I, I think that miracles occur a lot more frequently than people think. Could it be that we just need to open our eyes a little wider to God's activity in our midst? Well, question number four. How can we know for sure that a miracle is genuine? How do we know for sure? After all, there are many things that appear on the surface to be a miracle, but there's actually a natural explanation behind them. Could be, for instance, the placebo effect. That's a known psychological um, phenomenon where people think they're going to get better, and by golly, they begin to feel better. That, and people mistake that for some sort of a healing. Okay, that, that happens. That's true. Could be a mistake where someone's initial diagnose, diagnosis of cancer or something um, was actually wrong, and they weren't sick in the first place, and that's why later they appeared better wasn't a miracle it was just the fact the original diagnosis was wrong that can happen it has happened it could be fakery it could be fraud some people trying to fool other people into thinking that something supernatural has taken place sometimes um, illnesses spontaneously go into remission although usually it's over time and often the disease will come back in the end but there's uh, sometimes there's a spontaneous remission friends all of that is true but as I discovered, those naturalistic explanations cannot account for all of the miracle claims. There are other healings and miraculous events that are simply inexplicable apart from the work of God. So how can we tell if something supernatural has occurred, something miraculous has occurred? Well, some skeptics like to ratchet up their skepticism to unreasonably high levels when it comes to this topic. For instance, there was an atheist physician who wrote an article for Skeptic Magazine. And in it, she said, well, what would it take for me to believe that possibly a miracle had occurred? She said, well, if a chicken learned how to read and then beat a grandmaster at chess, then I, I might begin to think that something is going on. Now, I think that's setting the bar a little ridiculously high. Here's my view. I think we can reasonably conclude that a miracle has occurred if we have solid documentation and multiple and credible eyewitnesses who have no motive to deceive, if there is no alternative natural explanation, and if it occurs in the midst of, of a spiritual overtones such as prayer. For instance, to give you an example, um, miracles are not necessarily evenly distributed around planet Earth. What we tend to see is clusters of the miraculous taking place, often in places around the world where the gospel is just beginning to break in to that culture, and, and it'll be accompanied by 
miracles that have been taking place. And you see a concentration, a cluster of those miracles. Well, a cluster of these miracles was reported in Mozambique, where the gospel was just breaking in, and there were reports of all these miracles taking place. Well, there's a woman who has a PhD from Harvard University, who's a professor at a major secular university, Indiana University, and she said, oh, okay, I'm going to go test this scientifically. So guess what she did? She sent a team of scientists and researchers to Mozambique. And they went into the villages, and they said, bring us all your blind and deaf. So they brought all the people who were blind or deaf or who had severe hearing or vision problems. They brought them, and then these scientists and researchers would test them scientifically to determine what is their actual level of hearing and of vision. So they would test each one, get exactly how much they could see or hear, get that down. And then immediately after that, they were prayed for by people who tend to have a track record of God using them in healings. They were prayed for in the name of Jesus Christ uh, and anointed with oil, as the Bible tells us to do in the book of James. They're prayed for, and then immediately after that, they were tested scientifically again. Was there any change? Was there any improvement in their vision or their hearing? And guess what they found? In virtually every case, there was improvement to those individuals. In fact, in some cases, extraordinary improvement, like in the case of Martine, who was a woman when they first encountered her who couldn't hear the equivalent of a jackhammer next to her. And after 10 minutes of prayer in the name of Jesus, she can now hear normal conversations. Well, <laughs> these researchers were so blown away, they wanted to see, can we replicate this? Where's another place that miracles are breaking in? Well, Brazil. So they went to Brazil. They did the same study. Guess what? They got the same results. Now, this is a rigorous scientific study that was accepted for publication in a major, secular, scientific, peer-reviewed medical journal. And I went to Indiana University and interviewed the scholar who did this study, Dr. Candy Gunther Brown, and she told me this. She said, quote, Lee, our study shows that something is going on. She said, this is more than wishful thinking. It's not fakery. It's not fraud. It's not some televangelist trying to get widows to send in their money. It's not a highly charged atmosphere that plays on people's emotions. Something, she said, is going on. And I think she's right. I think it's something supernatural. And I believe what's going on is that the God who made this universe, who made you, is actively involved in the operation of his creation, and he's involved in the details of your life. Now, I don't know what you think about all that, and I know that may raise a lot of questions for you. Well, if that's true, then why hasn't he given me a miracle? Why hasn't he healed this person I, I care so much about? And those are really important questions and they don't have easy answers. And so I wanna encourage you to reach out to me by texting the number on the screen you see right now. I'd love to walk with you through those questions. But even though I don't know why God chooses to heal who he does and chooses not to heal who he doesn't, what I do know is that God loves you and he only has good in mind for you. And even if you're not sure you can believe that, can we at least begin with the fact that all of us want that to be true? I mean, past all of your questions and your doubts, isn't there something in you that wants it to be true? Personally for me, 
This has been one of the hardest things for me to get my modern rational brain to believe. Does God really still do miracles? And I still live more in the skeptical place than uh, many of you might want to know. But here's what I do know for certain. God is for each of us and he's actively involved in our lives. And he invites us into a conversational relationship with him where we can ask him for what we want and trust that he'll do what's best for us. And so today, I wanna do that for you. If you would right now, would you close your eyes? And I want you right now to bring to your mind whatever area of your life where you really want to see God do a miracle. Maybe it's in the life of a loved one or in the circumstances of our world. Maybe it's your physical health or your emotional or mental health. Maybe it's your marriage or it's in some relationship. Maybe it's in the lack of a relationship or deep loneliness and isolation. I really don't know what it is for you, but would you bring that before God right now? Even if you're not sure what you believe about Him, would you just take a shot here and say, God, would you do something powerful, even miraculous in this area of my life? Now, let me pray for you right now. Almighty God, we know there's nothing that's impossible for you. And we know how great your love is for us. And so I'm asking for your powerful hand to be at work in the lives of everyone listening right now. Would you bring a miracle to them? But God, we also know we can't force you to do anything. We're not demanding. We're simply asking. I mean, you've told us to ask. And we know that no matter what you choose to do for us, it'll ultimately be for our good. Thank you for hearing our prayers and for your power and love that's at work in our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Well, thank you for joining me in that prayer. And if you'd like to have me directly pray with you, hey, just text me on the number on screen. I'd, I'd love to do that with you but right now. Let's listen to the conclusion of this message. God is still in the miracle business today. And these miracles tell us three things about God. First thing, that he's real. These miracles point people toward the reality that God does exist. Even Jesus said in John 4, verse 48, unless you people see signs and wonders, you'll never believe. Second, these miracles show that God is powerful to instantly heal every effect in a split second of multiple sclerosis of someone on their deathbed, that is a power unlike anything we've ever seen. And then third, these miracles show that God is loving. That when someone like Barbara experiences a supernatural healing like that, it's just a deeply moving reminder of how much God loves her. But that leads us to another question. And that question is, well, okay, well, what about people who aren't healed? What about people who pray for healing and it doesn't come when they want it and how they want it? What about that? And I knew I couldn't write a book on this topic without dealing with that issue. And so I went to a man uniquely qualified to discuss this. He was a, he's a philosopher with a PhD, so he could talk about, uh, you know, the, the academic side of that issue. But his wife was dying of a rare brain condition. And they had prayed for her healing. He was a Christian. She's a Christian. 
and she had not been healed. In fact, after my book came out, she did go to be with the Lord. And so here was a man who has the intellectual capacity to deal with the philosophical issue, but also someone who was going through the personal trauma of healing that was not coming as they wanted it to. And, uh, you know, this is a, <laughs> a, a very deep and, and emotional and powerful topic. It was the most profound interview I think I've ever conducted in all my years as a journalist. Um, I just encourage you, if you wrestle with this issue, um, read this chapter. It will, it will powerfully minister to you, much more than we could go into in, in one talk. Um, but there are some things we do know. There are some things we do know. We know that God is sovereign, that God will do as God will do, that God sees things and knows things and understands things that we don't. We see through a glass darkly. He sees things we don't see. And he promises, not as a cliche, but as the word of God, that he will cause good to emerge from our suffering for those who follow him and those who are called according to his purpose. And he promises all will be healed in one way or the other. Maybe it won't be until they leave this world into the next, into a world of no pain, no suffering, no tears, no sorrow. But, and then keep in mind, you know, miracles were not automatic in New Testament times either. Um, Matthew says that Jesus didn't do many miracles in Nazareth. In Matthew chapter 10, the disciples are given the authority to heal, and then seven chapters later, they fail to heal an epileptic boy. Paul didn't heal everybody. He had a friend named Trophimus who was sick, and Paul goes off on a missionary journey. He didn't heal Trophimus. Paul goes off on his journey. And besides, Paul had this thorn in the flesh that he talks about. We don't know exactly what that was. Whatever it was, though, was apparently never healed in this lifetime by God. So this is a, a very profound topic, topic for a whole other sermon. But... Um, uh, one of the things we did is make it easy for you to get two copies of the book because maybe there's someone in your life who needs an encouragement, someone in your life who needs um, uh, some comfort. And I believe his perspective um, is, is profound and powerful. But remember I promised you before this sermon was over, you were going to witness a miracle? Are you ready? Seriously, are you ready to witness a miracle of God? All right, all right. Let me tell you about Dwayne Miller. Dwayne Miller was a pastor right near here in Brenham, Texas. You all know where Brenham is, right? He was the pastor of First Baptist Church in Brenham. Great guy. Loved to preach the word of God. Loved to worship. Had a beautiful singing voice. One day he wakes up. It's Sunday morning. His voice is gone. It's like this. All of a sudden, he can't talk. He said it was like there was a hand around his throat. He goes to the physician. Turns out a virus had paralyzed his vocal cords. So, of course, he couldn't be a pastor anymore. He can't speak. And um, went through very difficult several years. And over the next several years, he went to 63 physicians to be examined, including an entire symposium of, of Swiss experts on the human voice. And they all said the same thing. Same prognosis. Your voice isn't going to come back. Your vocal cords have been paralyzed. Well, one day, Dwayne got a phone call. It was from his former Sunday school class at First Baptist Church, Houston. 
And they said to him, Dwayne, would you come? We miss you. We love you. Would you just come and teach us once more from the word of God? And Dwayne said, well, you know, it's really annoying to listen to me. And we said, yeah, we know it's annoying to listen to you. We got that. But, but we love you. So it's okay. We'll put a microphone on you so we can hear you. Just come and do it. So he agreed to come. So he comes to First Baptist Church to a Sunday school class, and he begins to teach out of Psalm 103. The third verse says, God heals all of your diseases. And Miller said later, with my tongue, I was saying, I still believe that God heals. But in my heart, I was screaming, why not me, God? Why not me? He goes on to the next verse, which reads, The Lord redeems your life from the pit. And he told his class, I have had and you have had in times past pit experiences. And as soon as he said the word pit, for the first time in all those years, the choking sensation came off his throat. And God healed his voice. But guess what? They tape recorded the class. So you are going to hear for yourself and be a witness to the actual, in the moment, of what happened when God intervened to heal the voice of Dwayne Miller. So listen. So when the psalmist writes, and he heals all of my diseases, let me say to you that I believe God still heals. That hasn't ended. That is not over. So the psalmist says, I'm excited. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. One of his benefits is he heals all of my diseases. And in verse 4 he says, and he redeems my life from the pit. Now, I like that verse just a whole lot. I have had, and you have had in times past, pit experiences. We've both had, we've all had times when our life seemed to be in a pit, in a grave. And we didn't have an answer for the pit we find ourselves in. And I don't understand this right now. I'm been overwhelmed at the moment. I'm not quite sure what to say or do. <laughs> I'm uh, Sounds funny to say a loss for words. <laughs> Thank you, Lord.
It says, Dwayne was preaching on how God still heals. God healed his voice. And if I continued that tape, you would hear the clarity that comes back in his voice as he continues to preach. The next day, he goes to his doctor, and they exa- and he examines him. And, and the doctor said, even if I could explain how you got your voice back by coincidence, which I can't do, I could never explain what happened to the scar tissue. There was scar tissue there that had totally disappeared. The doctor said, your voice looks like the perfect voice of a little baby. Well, today, Dwayne is a pastor again of a church over near Dallas. And guess what else he does? He has a radio show using his voice to tell other people that there is a God who is still in the miracle business. He said, you see, God didn't just restore my life. He amplified it. He amplified it. Friends, God is still intervening today in our lives. So though it may be hard for us to believe that God does miracles in our world, those of us who follow Jesus believe that his greatest miracle happened nearly 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross and three days later, he rose from the grave. It was this miracle that offered every human being an opportunity of new and everlasting life in the kingdom of God. That offer is still available to you today. And if you wanna talk more about that, I hope you'll text me at the number on the screen because I believe the power of God is still actively involved in transforming the lives of people just like you and me in miraculous ways. And if you want that power, it's available to you. So text me about it. Right now, we're gonna move into a time in our service we set aside every week to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus to offer us this new life. It's a time we call communion, where we use emblems of simple bread and juice to remember the body and blood that Jesus has given for us. And you can use whatever you have on hand with you this morning if you wanna participate. It can be a piece of bread or a cracker to remember the body of Jesus given to forgive us of our sins, a cup of juice or even water to remember the blood of Jesus poured out to make a new agreement between God and people, life in the kingdom of God. And the symbols aren't near as important as who we're remembering. So if you haven't done so yet, please get some of those emblems right now. But if you're not so sure you buy into all of this and you'd rather not participate, hey, I get that. I'd really encourage you just to use this time to reflect on all you've experienced today. Is it possible God's not only involved in our world, but wants to be involved in your life? Maybe use this time to offer a prayer to God, asking him if he's real, he'd make himself real to you. I believe he wants to do that. But for followers of Jesus, as we sing this next song about how our God's in control over all the things of our life, Receive the elements of communion as a gift from our Heavenly Father to you and praise Him for all He's done and what He's yet to do in your life. Let's do that together now. Sickness in my sleep 
believe it. I have seen it. My God is over all. I believe it. I have seen it. My God is over I hope today's experience was meaningful for you and that what you take away most from all of that is that God's for you and we are too. And if anything today raised questions for you or maybe you felt like God was speaking to you and you wanna to speak to someone about that, please text the number on the screen right now. Someone from our team will get in touch with you. And as always, we want your experience to be more than just content you consume, but a community you can be committed to. So please take a moment right now, go to the website cccanywhere.com to find out how you can get more connected with us here. There are ways to get involved in a virtual small group to discuss what we're learning together here, even resources for your kids there. But the best way to get involved with our community is by clicking on the card on our website that says, join our Facebook group. That link will take you straight to the Community Christian Anywhere group where if you click the join group button, you'll take one easy step toward getting more involved with our community here. And if you enjoyed today's topic, and you wanna hear some more about it, there's some additional information in the material of the sermon that we left out of today's broadcast. But we'll be posted in our Facebook page and our group. So make sure you join our group to be able to see that. We're all so thankful that you chose to join in with us today. And as always, as you leave today, please carry this thought with you. No matter what you think about God, he cannot stop thinking about you. Hey guys, it's Nathan once again, and I wanted to let you know before you jumped off this video uh, about something we've got going on that I think will be of interest to many of you. If you're watching today and you're spiritually curious or you've, you're skeptical about a lot of the Christian faith, maybe you've got questions, you've got doubts, well, we have something I would love for you to consider joining. We are offering a course called the Alpha Course, which is designed for people who have questions and who have doubts and are really spiritually curious about a lot of the things we've talked about the past couple of weeks. The historical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus, the idea that God still heals and does miracles and he's still at work in our world. 
If any of those ideas uh, kind of pique your interest because you're trying to figure out, you've not really made your mind up about what you believe about God and church and this whole Christianity thing, then I wanna encourage you to go to our website, cccanywhere.com and click on the card that says join alpha fill out the card there and we'll get in contact with you to get you some more information about how you can be involved in this online community where you can discuss with other people who also are questioning this whole thing and seeking out the answers as well as some people who are confident in their faith and can all begin to discuss things from their point of view about these big questions of life and the christian faith and this is one of the safest most open and honest places that I've ever been a part of. And so I really hope you'll consider joining Alpha. And if you're here today and you'd call yourself a believer, we're also very glad to have you on with us today. And we hope you've been encouraged by what you've seen. As always, if you have any questions or you want to speak with somebody, you can reach out to our speaker uh, for the day or our video host for the day by uh, texting that number you see on screen right now. We're going to leave, for those of you in our live stream, we're going to leave open our virtual lobby a little longer for you guys to continue the conversation. And after about five minutes, our children's ministry team will be jumping on. Uh, so if you've got kids uh, that you would like uh, to be a part of that and they're watching with you, well, please make sure you get them back in the room for that. And if you're watching at a later time uh, and you're not in one of our live streams, you can go to our website, cccanywhere.com and sign up to get these See Kids resources to do with your children. Well, as always, thank you guys for joining in with us. We're gonna leave our virtual lobby for those of you on one of our live streams open a little longer. And as always, remember, no matter what you think about God, he can't stop thinking about you.